It's good again tonight to see everyone here. We're so thankful that you've chosen to be back with us tonight. And we want to continue our study of Bible evangelism. That's what we'll be doing on Sunday nights for the entire year this year. And we'll have tonight our second uh, lesson in regard to Bible authority. And so, as we begin tonight, we know, and we talked about last week, the fact that we are to build, if we're going to build a house, we've got to build the foundation first, and so we need to understand that. And we talked about that uh, from a number of ways. Jesus talked about the fact that a uh, house needed to have the foundation, and of course, that's not the message that he's teaching. He's not saying, here's how to build a house. But he's talking about following him, but he, in doing that, he also teaches us about building houses, about building on a good foundation. In Luke chapter 6, verses 47 through 49, he talks about the first man who dug deep and laid, laid the foundation on the, on the rock, and then he talked about a second man who uh, put his house on the ground without a foundation, and of course, that second man's house fell down. And so we understand some things about foundation. We talked about authority being the foundation. And, and of course, as we are talking about everything in regard to, 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 to God and, and worshiping Him and having our salvation in Him, uh, it has to be authorized by Him. But if we don't respect authority, then we don't really respect God because authority is the exact equivalent of respect for God. Okay, so we've got to have some respect for authority because God indeed is our authority, and we'll, we'll continue to study through that tonight. Now, again, as we think about authority, what is it? Well, authority is basically that to which we may refer for the final answer. The final answer. This is, this is all is said and done. This is the way it has to be. You have an authority, and, and that's what we're going to be studying through over the next few weeks in uh, not only learning ourselves, but learning how to teach others as well. Now, got a couple of the men who are in the back who are going to be passing out some things for us tonight. And I want to go ahead and say to you that when you receive your little booklet tonight, I want you to hold on to it. You can write your name on it and stick it in your Bible or put it somewhere where you'll be able to hold on to it and have it because we're going to be looking at this for... Uh, several weeks. Uh, this is book number one. We've got two additional books following this, but this is book number one, uh, Back to the Bible. And so you'll, you'll be getting one of those in just a few minutes. And I'm also going to ask you tonight, and, and if you didn't do it tonight, I hope you'll do it next Sunday, well, a week from Sunday, two weeks from tonight, because next Sunday we'll have our special day. Let me just stop right there and throw in a good commercial for that. Uh, remember that we'll have the right time, right talk, and we'll have John with us here next week, and he'll be dealing with some things in regard to sexuality, pornography, and things of that nature. And so we want to we want to invite all of our friends and the community. We want to reach out in the community and bring others in. Uh, he is well qualified uh, to speak on those topics, and so you'll see that when he gets here. But uh, you'll have to take my word for it for the moment, uh, unless you want to go look up some of his lessons that he has presented before. But I encourage you to invite others to, to be here and make it a special day with him. We'll have a one o'clock service. Now, I said that to say this, our books are coming around and we'll, we'll get into that, but I hope that over the next rest of the time that we have that you will bring your own copy of God's Word. Because we're going to be turning to the pages of God's Word. Now, if you do that on a phone, that's fine. 
I don't have a problem with that, but I want you to be looking at your own uh, device or your own book, your paper book, in order to, to see the things. And, and I'll go ahead and say tonight, when we get to the question part, I want you, every one of us, to turn in our Bible or at least key it in on our device to look at the Bible and what it has to say. And so we'll take a little extra time as we do that uh, for you to be able to, to look through these. Okay, so you should have or should be getting one of these very soon, one of the back to the Bible, the green copy. It's lesson number one. And we're going to be looking through that tonight and for the next few weeks that we'll be on this one. But as you <coughs> almost got them all around, as you look through this, you'll notice that in the first section that there are 11 passages to read with a simple question regarding each one of those. And, and before you even get to, the, to that particular part, you'll note in the introduction that it says, please read the scriptures aloud and then we will answer the questions under the uh, scripture references. Now I want you to turn there and I'll be reading them for us tonight. But uh, that's in order for us to save some time. But I want you to open up your book, your Bible, to be able to follow along with that. But in this first section, there's, there are uh, 11 questions that we'll deal with tonight. And you'll note that in that first section, that it simply is our authority in religion. We, we, we began to lay the foundation for the foundation, the authority, last week. And that's what we're going to be continuing on. So uh, we'll begin with our authority in religion. Okay? Now, does everybody have a booklet? I hope you have a pen with you and, uh, or a pencil or something like that to write with. And uh, if you don't, then be sure next Sunday night uh, that you do come equipped with your Bible and your pen and your little booklet in hand. And we'll continue on. All right. Let's go to question number one. Question number one, and, and if you're studying with someone, this is what you're going to be doing if you're using this booklet. You're going to be sitting around a table and you're going to be opening up your Bible and, and you're going to be studying about these topics as we go through. So question number one comes from John chapter 8 at verse number 32. John chapter 8, verse 32. That's number, question number one in your booklet, you'll notice. Okay, I don't think it has an actual number in it, but it's the first question. John chapter 8, verse 32. So, hope you're turning there in your own Bible, your copy of God's Word. And like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you time tonight in order to get turned there, or at least get it keyed in so that you can, can look at it. Okay? All right. John chapter 8, at verse 32. Here is what Jesus says. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right, so as you look at your booklet, what is the question? The question simply says, Jesus says blank will make you free. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk tonight, okay? And so we have read John chapter 8 at verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So what is it that goes in that blank? Jesus says blank will make you free. Truth. And so write that in your booklet under that question. You shall know the truth, 
And the truth will make you free. Truth is the answer to that question. That's not hard, is it? We, we, we looked at that, and man, that's as simple as pie to, to go through and see what the Bible has to say. And so let's write that in our, in our uh, booklet. Okay? Question number, well, I should have put it up there. I forgot how I did it. Truth. Okay? Question number two. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 24. John chapter 4, verse 24. I'm listening for pages turning. I can't hear the, I can't hear the phone things, but I can at least hear the pages. John chapter 4, verse 24. Okay? Jesus says, God is spirit... And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so the question, (coughs) or the blank, Jesus tells us we must worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay? Man, that's not hard, is it? That's easy. We worship in spirit and in truth. Number three, John 17, 17. You'll notice that a lot of these first ones, of course, are in John. We'll get out of John in just a moment. But at least some of the first ones are there very close. John 17, verse 17. Okay? Here's what the Scripture says, and you can read along with me tonight, okay? Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And John 17, Jesus is praying here. He's praying to the Father, okay? So, as we look at John 17, 17, what is truth? How would you, what would you put in the blank? God's word. word. That's exactly right. Sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. Okay? John 14, verses 23 and 24. John 14, 23 and 24. Okay? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Okay? Now the question or the fill in the blank is, the teaching of Jesus was from God. Okay? Or... More to the point, from the Father. comes from the Father. Uh, Notice as you go through there, He will keep my word and my Father will love Him and He will come uh, to Him and make our... and we will come to Him and make our home with Him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And so the teaching of Jesus was from the Father. Now we're going to get out of John... We're going to the book of Hebrews. Going to the book of Hebrews. And we'll look at chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. 
Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. Okay? Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. Okay? In time gone by, God spoke through men like Moses that we talked about this morning. He spoke through men like Jeremiah and, and, and David and uh, uh, Hosea and different ones, did he? didn't he? Okay? But now, what we're concerned about is now. But now, today God speaks to us through what goes in the blank. His Son, right. Today God speaks to us through His Son. Okay? What are we doing? We're beginning to lay a foundation. Okay? We're beginning to lay a foundation. All right. John chapter 3, verse 35. John 3, verse 35. Okay? The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Now fill in the blank is, God has given blank things into the hands of Jesus. All. Okay? See how easy that is? You know, it's not hard to, to go in and to look... Who's in charge? Jesus is. Because God has put all things into the hands of Jesus. Let's go to the next one. Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. Still listening for the Bibles to turn. Two things that, are, that, are, that you always want to hear in a, in a church, in a church building. Bibles turning and babies crying. Those are the two things that, because if you don't have new life coming along with children and youth, then you're in trouble. And if you're not sticking with the Word of God, you're also in a whole lot more trouble. And so you need those two things. John 28, verse 18. What does the Bible say? Well, it simply says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, Jesus has all blank in heaven and earth. All authority. He has all authority in heaven and earth. Now, if he has all authority, who has any more authority? I mean, even to a lesser extent, who has authority? If he has all authority, then there's no, no more left over, is there? Okay? Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Let's go back to John, chapter 17, verse 2. John 17, verse 2. 
Okay? Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Jesus has authority over what, according to this passage? All flesh. Is there anybody Jesus doesn't have authority over? If he has authority over all flesh, is there, any, is there anybody that Jesus doesn't have authority over? Does Jesus have authority over you? If you're a part of the all flesh here on this earth, then Jesus would have authority over you, would he not? Okay? Now, all, let me just stop right here. Do these things sound hard to you? I mean, are they hard to understand? Well, they're pretty simple, aren't they? Now, it may be hard to accept. That's a different thing than hard to understand, right? Now, a lot of you folks in here, you've been members of the body of Christ for a long time. And what we're reading, you've read before, maybe hundreds of thousands of times, right? As you've done your daily Bible study and you've done... Uh, you've listened to sermons and sat in Bible classes. You've read these passages. Are we doing this for you? Are we going through this building a foundation for you? Or are we building a foundation for somebody who may never have heard these things? You see, well, I've heard all this before. I, I, I'm bored with, with hearing these little simple things. That's our problem. A lot of the folks in the world have never heard these foundation principles. And they need to hear them. Because they've got a lot of other things that stand between them and the authority of Jesus. They think there's a lot of other people who may have some authority between them and Jesus. And, or maybe they don't, they, they don't think Jesus has authority over them. Or, or, or they don't know anything about the truth or things of that nature. But we're simply... We're simply laying a foundation right now. We haven't answered a whole lot of questions. We're just laying a foundation. Let's look at the next one, Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. Okay. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now our question is, God has made Jesus to be head over all things to the blank. To the church. Now if Jesus has all authority and he has authority over all flesh, what is the church made up of? Not a building, it's made up of people. But in particular, he says he has authority over all things to the church. There's a second question on this one, you see. Does this mean Jesus has all authority over the church? 
If he is the head over all things to the church, does it mean that he has all authority over the church? Yes. He has all authority. Now, if he has all authority over the church, how much authority does the Pope have? If Jesus has all authority, how much authority does some denominational council have? You see, we're pouring a foundation. What does the Bible say? It's very simple, isn't it? Who has all authority? Somebody who has all authority, that's, we said last week and even repeated it before, he's the one to where we would go for the final answer, right? And so if he has the head over the church, the church is his body there, as you noticed at the end of that reading. If he has the authority over the church, he's the head over the church, who makes the rules? Who gets to say what the church is all about and how the church should be? How it should worship him? Who gets to say that? A lot of folks don't understand that. You see, they've been taught that there's somebody standing between them and authority, the authority of God. Look at John 12, 48. John 12, verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that day. Let me just ask you this. Who's speaking there in John 12, 48? Now, man added the colors in the Bible, okay? But you may have a copy of God's Word that has these words in red. And so, when we see words in red in the Bible, they're usually designated as whose words? Jesus' words, okay? Now, not just because they're in red, but because if you look and read the entire context, it's Jesus who is speaking here, so we would understand it. At judgment, we will be judged by the words of? Say it loud. We'll be judged by the words of Jesus. If you don't hear my words, you have, you'll, you'll be judged at the last day. The words that I have spoken, he said, will judge him on the last day. Look at John chapter 6, verse 68. John 6, verse 68. In John chapter 6, Jesus has spoken about being the bread of life and how that people should consume him, if you will. Seems that some thought that he was talking about cannibalism or something of that nature. They are somewhat offended by what he has to say. And so the majority of people leave except for those who are there with him, his apostles. And remember that in this particular setting, uh, this is taking place after Jesus has done the miraculous feeding of that great multitude of people. 
Jesus basically accuses them of following after him because they just want some more food. But they should take the spiritual food that he's offering. And so people leave. That great multitude leaves Jesus. And so we come to John chapter 6 at verse 68 after Jesus has asked the apostles, he said, are you going to leave too? This is what they answer. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Who has the words of eternal life? Somebody said it. Jesus does. It's what Peter says as he's talking to the Lord. You're the one who has the words of eternal life. And so when you look at that, that's, that's not hard. He has authority, doesn't he? Authority over all flesh. He has authority over uh, the church, right? But now we're talking about him having the words of life. Then again, there's a second question under this one. Should we go to anyone else? Parents? Preachers? Relatives? Friends? For eternal life? No. Now let me just stop right here and let me let, me let you think about something. A lot of times when you're talking to someone about becoming a Christian, they're going to be learning things that they were not taught growing up. Their parents may not have taught them the truth of God's Word. And later on, once we get the foundation built, we'll begin to understand, I can't make the excuse, well, if it was good enough for Mama, it's good enough for me. Because I can't go to Mama for the words of life. Where are the words? Who has the words of eternal life? And I can't go to anyone. All we're doing is building a foundation. A foundation to lay the rest of the teaching of the New Testament upon. And so tonight we've answered 11 questions, very simple questions. And we're going to stop right there on that particular part. And I'm going to go back tonight in the few minutes that we have remaining. And I want to make some observations in regard to truth. Now, now one of the couple of the questions back at the beginning, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We, we talked about how that Jesus said that we were to worship God in spirit and in truth, okay? And so let's talk about, let's talk about this. When Jesus was before Pontius Pilate, before he was crucified, being tried by him, we find these words. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he'd said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. And we'll notice verse 37 at the end of our lesson tonight. But Pilate asked a pretty good question, didn't he? What is truth? What is truth? You know, I'm interested in it because if I know the truth, then I can be set free. Free from my sins. If I know the truth, then I know how to worship God, don't I? And so I'm interested in what is truth. Now, 
I want you to follow along with me tonight. Marlene and I, a quick click in there, Larry. Marlene and I like a good steak, okay? Some of y'all might like a good steak as well. And so if we go out to a restaurant somewhere and we order steak and the waitress comes, brings our steaks out, you know, there's a question that they'll generally always ask. Can I bring you some A1 or some Heinz 57? And so I'll generally say, well, bring me some Heinz 57. And then they'll look at Marlene and say, do you want something different? And she says, catch it. That's just wrong, people. <laughs> That's wrong to eat ketchup on a steak, right? Now let's talk about that a little bit so it'll help us understand some things tonight. Suppose I make a statement, Heinz 57 is better than ketchup. Is that true? Suppose I make the statement, well, maybe I'll let Marlene make the statement. Same thing, except for she says ketchup is better than Heinz 57. Is that true? Somebody said no. I don't know. I can't understand them. Well, let me just say both of those statements are true, except they're true only based solely on the tastes and preferences of the person, right? And so we would, we would be able to say in regard to this truth that it's relative, isn't it? It's relative. Whatever my tastes are, I like 57 and she likes ketchup. I'll put 57 on French fries if I, you know, got some to go on there. You know, those kind of things. But it's based solely on our preference. Now, as everything that we do in life, every truth that we might find in life, is it based on our preference? Is every truth relative? Let me see if I can illustrate. When we were living in Tennessee, there was a little town between Milan, Tennessee and Humboldt, Tennessee called Gibson, Tennessee. And if you went through Gibson, Tennessee, you would see the sign posted there, 30 miles per hour, speed limit, 30 miles per hour. Now suppose I say truth is relative and I say, my truth is, I think this is a good road. It's straight. You don't have to worry about it. I think the speed limit ought to be 50 miles an hour. And one of these teenagers over here, they say, man, I don't see why in the world it's a good road. I mean, you, you're going straight. 65 miles an hour is my speed limit going through Gibson. Until you see that behind you. Now let me tell you something about Gibson. I never got stopped there. I went through there a lot of times. And they had blue lights flashing more than all of the Kmart stores put together. <laughs> Some of these young folks don't even know what the blue light special was. Kmart. When you see the blue lights behind you. 
Is truth relative? Who's going <clears> to... <throat> whose truth is going to reign supreme? 30 miles per hour. Some people call Gibson a speed trap. There's no telling how much money they collected off of speeding tickets coming through there. Because it was straight, the road was good, and people thought this ought to be my speed limit. But when the authorities said it's 30, they meant it. And they exercised their authority in regard to it. You see, some truth is relative, right? Heinz 57 or ketchup. But some is not relative. Even in the sense of a speed limit sign in a city or a little bitty small town that's known as a speed <coughs> trap. Now, you know what? Many folks today want, us to, want to tell us that all truth is relative. Whatever you believe to be true... Well, that's true for you. And whatever I believe to be true, well, that's true to me. Even if those two things are diametrically opposed to each other. Even if they're totally opposites of each other. Folks want to say that, that truth is, is relative. It may be completely opposite, but it's still true for me and, and whatever I believe to be true. I can't, I can't force that on you because you may have a different opinion. You may think something else is true. Folks, that's called relativism. That's what those who would, who would talk about it, that's what they call it. I just call it ridiculous, right? Because two things that are opposite of each other, they can't both be right. So is there such a thing as absolute truth? Is there something thing, something that, that, that's right for everyone at all times and in all places? Is there? Let's talk about it for just a couple of minutes and then the lesson will be yours. Let me suggest to you tonight that even people who believe in moral relativism, that they, by their life, they actually stand for an absolute standard. What do you mean by that? Try lying to a liar. Y'all think about that one for a minute. Try lying to a liar. What's that liar going to do? What's he going to think? How's he going to react when you lie to him? That's not right. You can't do that. You can't lie to me. I maybe lie to everybody else, but you can't lie to me. You're being held to a higher standard, right? Think about this one. Try yelling at an angry person. You might have a fight on your hands, right? They have a right to be angry, but you don't have a right to be angry. And man, you start butting heads out there. What are they doing? What are they saying? Are they saying, oh, everybody, your truth is as good as my truth. My truth is as good as your truth. Everybody's all right. Everybody's fine. No. Even those who hold on to moral relativism, by their very actions, say there's something that is higher as well. 
How many of you learned multiplication in school? Anybody? Good. We got one smart fellow over here. He's still in school. He's still working on it. Forty times twenty dollars equals how much? Eight hundred dollars, right. Now, think about it in these terms. Suppose you're making twenty dollars an hour at your job, and I just rounded it off so it'd be easy for us to count up, and you work forty hours that week, and they give you a paycheck for four hundred dollars. Did learning multiplication in school, did that help you any? Did it benefit you? Now, you may go back and they say, Now, uh, uh, I work for 40 hours and I'm getting paid 20. And they may say, Well, we cut taxes out of it. Here's where, here's where the taxes were cut. I'm not talking about cutting the tax. I'm talking about them starting with $400 before they cut the taxes. You're going to say, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Now, I learned multiplication in school, and I know that 20 times 40 is 800. Well, folks, 20 times 40 is not 800 just because it benefits you. Giving you $800. 20 times 40 is 800 because it's reality, not relativity. There are some things that are right. You know what? That's the kind of authority that Jesus has, and that's the truth that he brings us. When Jesus has all authority over all flesh, according to Matthew 28, verse 18, and John chapter 17 at verse 2 that we read a little bit bit earlier tonight, when he says such things as, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me, then folks, is that true? Is it absolutely true? Yes. There is no other way to the Father. The same is true with all of His other words. We read John 12, verse 48, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words as a judge, the words that I have spoken to him on that uh, will judge him on the last day. Very quickly tonight, truth has several important properties. Number one, it's consistent. It's consistent. What do you mean by that? Well, multiple truths can't contradict one another or conflict with one another. And so, you know, it has to be either one or the other, especially when they're opposites of each other. And so, not only when you talk about truth being consistent, a corollary of that is that it's also exclusive. Meaning that some things are not true. Some things can't be true. Because if it conflicts with known truth, it can't be true. It has to be false. Number two, truth is universal and objective. What do we mean by that? Well, when we, seem, when we say that it's universal and objective, truth is true for Everyone, everywhere, at every time. Truth is universal. One thing is not true for me, and a different thing, something totally opposite, 
it can't be true for you. We've got to have another standard of a truth, another standard of authority. And then the last one, important truth, because truth is consistent, it's also constructive. What do you mean by that? Well, think about it in these terms. Maybe if you've had geometry or some of these other math questions, it may go something like this. If A is equal to B, then A is also equal, and B is equal to C, then A is also equal to C, right? Anybody, anybody catch what I was trying to say there? If A is equal to B and B is equal to C, then A is equal to C, right? Is that a truth? We got math teachers here. Is that a truth? Yeah. All three of these things that I just mentioned are true of God's Word as well. One is always greater than zero. Right? One's always greater than zero. Now, if I've got one of something, there may not be much of it, but it's still more than what I had when I didn't have any of it. Right? One is always greater than zero. Even if nobody ever recognized this as truth, what would it still be? If nobody ever recognized that one is greater than zero, even if everybody argued with you, what would it still be? It'd still be true. It would still be the truth. Because one is always greater than zero. And you know what? This is the kind of truth that Christ came to reveal. That's what he's doing. In the book of John, chapter 18, verse 37, I mentioned this earlier and said we'd come back to it. Pilate said to him, so you're the king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. If the truth that Jesus brings is like the truth of one is always greater than zero, that it's absolute because he has all authority and God can't lie and all of these things, even if a majority of people of mankind fails to recognize Jesus' teachings as truth, what are they? They are still truth. Now we began to lay a foundation tonight. We'll build on that foundation pretty much for the rest of this year in talking about answering those little snippets in the book and talking about some of the things that are there. But keep in mind as we go through these things that the truth is important and authority is important. Authority, our authority, Jesus is the one who brought us the truth. And we need to hold on to that. Tonight as we close our lesson, it may be that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you want to be a part of His church.
You want to have the salvation that He offers, and yet you've never obeyed the gospel, and you want to do that tonight, and we'd love to assist you. It may be tonight that you've left the Lord and need to come back to Him. If that is the case and you need to respond, then we'd love to assist you with that right now together.